welcome to The Watcher's Diaries, a weekly podcast all about Buffy. I'm Mary. And I'm Froggy. And this week we're talking about Season 3, Episode 10, Amends. AKA A Very Buffy Christmas. Yes. So I have only one announcement, but I do have a kind of a warning disclaimer. Uh, so my only announcement this week is not to forget that book club is next week. So if you need to start reading or listening, though, I think Froggy said there's no audibles. So just reading. Yeah, yeah. No, and it, you know what? It's 315 pages, I think. So it's it's a pretty quick read. And you know what? In the first couple chapters, you could just skip a lot because there's so much recap of shit we already know. Yeah, we gotta gotta do the thing where we get everybody up to speed. Yeah, I know. And it's it's it sucks when you have a big long running series and the author has to put in this extraneous backstory just in case somebody picked up the book. Yeah. Not knowing what was going on. That's like as we all went on, we all learned we could skip the second chapter of any babysitter club. Book oh yeah. Because yeah. we just reintroduced every character over oh, yeah. again. Yeah. We know that we know that only one of them had a phone and, and they, yeah, we had a treasure. Like, yeah, they just went through everybody. So we'll, of course, also have a link to the book in this week's show notes. Uh, so as far as a warning slash disclaimer goes, um, one of the warnings is that I apparently got very salty about this. episode. <laughs> Mary woke up and chose violence. I chose violence. My notes are very salty. I am very harsh on on Angel. So just be prepared for that to come through. Um, but on a more serious note, because of the implications of some of these scenes, we are going to talk a little bit about sexual assault and uh, suicide. So if any of those things are triggering to you, we understand. We love you. And this isn't the best episode anyway, so no. it's fine. It's fine. It's really not. Which surprises me because the creator wrote this episode and I usually love his episode. Yeah, yeah. This was not his best work. And again, like, I like the idea of it. Yeah, the idea of it is great. Especially for a Christmas episode. But yeah, the the way that it was executed wasn't the greatest. And like Mary said, there's a lot of saltiness that's going to come out in this. All right. But for those of you continuing on with us, let's start breaking down this episode. Amends, it aired December 15th, 1998. This is the only Christmas episode in the show's run, which is kind of sad. I, I totally think we should have seen a Krampus situation. Oh, I that would have been that would have been phenomenal. I right? I love a good horror Christmas. Same, same. And our synopsis is at Christmas time, Angel is visited by past kills. And Willow gets naughty in the hopes of making nice with Oz. <laughs> I like how that one little bit later on in the episode made it into the synopsis. Like it's a very important little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So what are our international titles? All right. So this week we do have quite a few. I think I only had to take out a couple that were just amends. Oh, good. In Armenian, we have Forgiveness of Sins. Eh. Check Repentance. Me. finish compensation okay this makes me think of like you may be in t- if you were ever personally attacked by angel you may be entitled to financial compensation <laughs> oh we're gonna have to make like a horrible lawyer billboard for this yeah <laughs> yeah okay uh in french we have the christmas sun s-u-n 
I don't. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. German makes me think of a Charles Dickens novel, Visitations. I like that one. I yeah. like that one. Yeah. Japanese is Atonement. Okay. Polish. I don't know. This one's my favorite just because it's ridiculous. Buffy Summer's Christmas. I mean, it's it's on the point. It is. Yeah. Portuguese from Brazil, Reparations. Okay. Romanian, Reconciliation. Russian is Atonement. And Spanish from Spain is Reparations. I think I like Visitation. Yeah. I, I, I also like Buffy Summer's Christmas because it just makes me think of a very special Buffy Summer's Christmas or something. That's true. It's also a very 90s title for something. It is. It is. So we do actually get a previously on this week. We do. Reminding us of Angel's curse, how he lost his soul, that he killed Jenny. Thanks and for reminding of us of that. We we completely forgot that she was murdered by him. Well, I, th- I think we needed that reminder. We as did. As much as it hurts me. Yes, I know. We needed I know. that reminder. We did need that reminder for later. Yes, I know. But still, like, we did not forget about that. We it, it's been almost two decades and we haven't forgotten. About we'll ne- that. We will never forget. Oh no, it has been two decades. Yeah, it Shit. has. It has. <laughs> um, it's been almost three decades. Almost three de- Shush. Uh, and that Willow restored said soul. He returned, and Buffy started seeing him again in secret. The interesting thing here is that the previously on is very centered on how dangerous Angel is. I like that. Uh, Fitting since this week is all about him getting his screwed on (laughs) and being visited by the ghosts of past killed. Only not really. Also by re-showing the moment when Angel killed Jenny, like like we just talked about. um, It gives the whole thing a Jenny calendar was dead to begin with sort of vibe. So, you know, keeping with our our Dickens theme. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyway, we go back in time to Ireland in a snowy street that looks like it was imported directly from Dickens. <laughs> you know, had he ever written about Ireland? Wow. Yeah, but you know what? Like the streets, like the poor streets at that time, it didn't matter where you were in that general in Europe. It all kind of looked very similar. This is true. A title card tells us we're in Dublin, 1838. An earnest-looking young man hurries through the street past carolers and carriages, occasionally looking over his shoulder, as if worried. Makes sense, since as he passes past an alleyway, Angelus grabs him, throwing him to the ground. And I'm sorry, what the fuck is up with Angelus's facial hair in this Oh, his, his mustache and his, I mean, and you know what? It doesn't have, like, it's just so funny. It is! I I started (laughs) laughing! And it's, it gets even funnier with the demon prosthetics. Yes. I don't know. There's there's just something with the combination of that particular prosthetic that they use for for the series and facial hair. Like oh, yeah. it's just the fake fake mustaches are ridiculous to begin with. But then you put it on top of prosthetics and it just takes it to a whole new level. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They could. They spend so much on the prosthetics that they couldn't afford proper mustaches. Our mustache budget suffered. <laughs> he identifies the young man as Daniel, and Daniel says that Angelus is not human. What does he want from him? Honestly, Angelus is hungry, and Daniel is in his debt. See, Angelus believes that a man who likes to play at cards should have a natural intelligence or a great deal of money. Daniel apparently has neither. He scrambles to his feet, but Angelus is there in an instant, saying he has to take his winnings his own way. As Daniel pleads with whatever higher power, (laughs) Angelus tells him to be of good cheer. 
It's Christmas. He goes in for the kill and we go to the present where Angel awakes with a jolt. He gets dressed and heads out, walking along the mean streets of Sunnydale and bypassing the usual holiday crowd. Shoppers, carolers, people collecting for charity. In the window of one of the stores, the weatherman tells us that they're expecting a sunny Christmas with high temperatures. In his wanderings, he runs directly into Buffy, (laughs) who is carrying a very large, beautifully wrapped present in her hand and who has the baby bangs that the entire fandom seems to hate with a passion. (laughs) I have seen more posts about those damn bangs than any other of her hairstyles. I know, I know. It is so funny how angry the baby bangs make people. They're both a bit surprised to actually see one another as they have been trying to keep their distance. And Buffy asks Angel if he's out shopping before realizing that he's probably not doing that. He tells her he couldn't sleep and she says she's guessing that vampires aren't really big on Christmas. Not as a rule. No. There's a moment of awkward silence before Buffy asks if he's good. Yeah, he's okay. And her? Yeah, yeah, she's good. Just getting some gifts for the gang. She better go before the shops close. As Buffy speaks, Angel's eyes move from her to just over her head as he watches something or someone in the distance. We follow his gaze and see Daniel (laughs) standing right in the middle of the street as a haunting violin melody plays. It had a very, like, this melody has a very interview with the vampire kind of vibe to it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, again, it's a 90s vampire show. Oh, yes, absolutely. Daniel starts to walk off. Practically disappearing as Buffy starts to figure out that Angel is looking at something, not her. But when she turns, there's no sign of Daniel. She asks the visibly shaken Angel what's wrong as we go to the credits. (laughs) Still awesome, even if they're not very Christmassy. I wish they kind of, I wish they would have done something like a little different for a one-off for the credits. Like Like they did for Superstar. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. We return from the credits to a decked out Sunnydale High, which we know is definitely not decorated by Snyder. (laughs) Buffy, Willow, and Xander walk through the halls, Buffy telling the other two about her encounter with Angel the night before. As they go to their lockers, Buffy comments on how weird it was. Weird? Angel? Imagine (laughs) the thought. (laughs) Xander is full of sass this morning. Yes, he, he he is at his sassiest, and I am here for it. Willow asks if she thinks something's wrong, like they should ask Giles something's wrong, but Buffy doesn't want to bother Giles. Besides, he's still kind of twitchy about the whole Angel thing. Probably because of the whole Angel killed his girlfriend and tortured him for hours thing. Giles can be so petty about stuff like that. <laughs> the sass, Xander Oh, Harris. he is. He, he woke up and he ate his sassy flakes this morning. But also, he's not wrong. No, and he he's... Giles is entitled to be as petty as he likes. Oh yeah, no, and I one of the things that I do, and I mean, I know this is probably something that people add as a strike against Xander. Is I love how Xander fucking brings everything back up. Mm-hmm. Like he is the petty ass friend who will remind you of shit that happened six years ago that he just wants to make sure you didn't forget. Oh yeah. He's the friend that, like, in a normal situation would be like, yeah, but do you remember when he, like, cheated on you when you were on vacation four years ago? Like, why are you talking to him? Exactly. Exactly. As she grabs her lunch from her locker, Buffy tells Xander that his comments are not okay. Well, I beg to differ. I, I'm, we're, we're, we just said we are on, we're on his side here. Well, this says maybe Angel just has the holiday blues. Everybody gets them, especially when they're alone. 
Buffy says it's just so frustrating. She's trying to do the right thing, stay away from him, get over him, but then boom, there he is. She just wants a nice, quiet Christmas vacation. Xander asks if she's doing anything special, and she says, tree, nog, roast beast. Just her, her mom, and hopefully an excess of gifts. What about them? Willow says she's being Jewish. <laughs> Remember, people? Not everyone worships Santa. Ooh, Willow, Willow Ooh. looks a little bitter there. Willow? Like she, I don't know, expected her friends to remember her religion. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Buffy assures her that she just met for vacation. Oh, nothing fun. She and Oz had plans, but she guesses those are off now. As they enter the lounge and Xander sees Cordelia, he makes a point of saying that he'll be having his annual Christmas camp out. See, he likes to take his sleeping bag outside and get the whole nature vibe, sleep under the stars. Getting up from where she has been sitting, Cordy says she thought he slept outside to avoid his family's drunken fights. Yes, that's a confidence Xander was hoping Cordy would share with everyone. Which, fuck you, Cordy. I know, that fucking pisses me off. Like, there's being righteously angry someone cheated on you, and then there's being a fucking bitch. Yeah, and I, like, yeah, like, that is something vulnerable, like, it's so deeply personal. Yeah. Like, it's just like, mm, mm, I hope you step on all the Legos. Yeah. Like, I, I hate that. Like, yeah. And I like, I like his reaction to it because he has every right to be pissed off. Oh, the every thing single that right. He told his girlfriend, like, when you break up with somebody, I don't care about the situation. That gives you no right to tell personal things like this. Nope. She then goes on to tell the group that she'll be in Aspen, skiing, with actual snow. Buffy hears that helps. It must be a drag to be stuck there in sweaty dale. But she's thinking of them. Okay, she's done. She walks off and Buffy accurately notes that she's reverted to form. Willow says it's not her fault. After what happens, they need to cut her some slack. No, incorrect. I love Willow, but... If she had just bragged about going skiing... Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. But she brought up Xander's family. That's uncalled for. She gets no slack from me. And I hope someone fills her ski boots with Legos. Yeah. And I have another I have another question because I'm thinking, you know, something that I was thinking about. Is she actually going to Aspen at this point? She may not be, actually. Or is she just bragging about it to make people think? Because we're not too far away from... No, we're not. From so, yeah, finally- she may not be going to Aspen. Yeah, she may just... this. Forgetting about the dig at Xander, which we've already covered. So this may be just her overcompensating. Oh, yeah. Because daddy's poor now. Uh Uh-huh. But yeah, we can cut her some slack on that, but not on the Xander dig, because that was unfucking called for. Xander tells Willow that's the Christmas spirit. And Willow once again reminds them that she's Jewish. It's the Hanukkah spirit that Xander (laughs) is hearing. Besides, forgiveness is pretty much a big theme with Willow this year. Because of the, before she can finish that sentence, Oz approaches. The group goes quiet and he greets Willow with a, hey, hey. He must ask Willow if they can talk because the next we see the two of them, they're sitting in a deserted classroom. But before we get to that, roast beast. Yay. Buffy's mention of such is a reference to How the Grinch Stole Christmas, a well-known holiday tale. Mm Mm-hmm. It was first published in 1957 with the animated special airing in 1966. That special is actually narrated by Boris Karloff, who is extremely well known for portraying several of the classic monsters. 
Following the original TV special, several other adaptions were made, both animated and live action. And I think everyone has heard the song You're a Mean One, yeah. Mr. Grinch, at least once. Oh yeah. And that's and that one that is Thurl Ravenscroft singing the it song, is. who also did Haunted Mansion. Yes. Yes, he did. <laughs> The roast beast is the main dish in the Who's Holiday Feast. It's one of the items specified to be stolen by the Grinch. And at the end, once his heart has grown and he's returned everything, it is the Grinch himself who carves said beast at the celebration. Does your family, anytime you have roast beef, call it roast beast? We don't have it that often, so no. Okay, see, it must be just the Italians in my family. Because yeah, we have, ro- we have like roast beef a lot. And we call it roast beast. Plus, plus my mother-in-law absolutely loves the Grinch. So, but yeah, any, any, it's the roast beast. Back to Willow and Oz. Oz says that seeing her with Xander, he never felt that way before. At least not when it wasn't a full moon. (laughs) But he knows they have a history. A history that's in the past. Though Willow supposes most history is in the (laughs) past. She assures Oz, though, that it's over. He's not sure it is or that it ever will be. But this is what he does know. He misses her like every second, like he lost an arm or worse, a torso. And so he thinks he'd be willing to give it a shot. Really? Yeah. His little smile when he says that and when he looks at her and his smile just grows because Willow asks if he'd like a hug and he says yes. And I just, oh, it's so, so I I just love it. And I love it. And I love, I love how Willow obviously took what he said to her about needing time to heart. Yes. And I like that she asks him if she can hug him. Like this is such a good way of showing somebody respecting somebody's boundaries and making sure that, okay, are we at this point? Are we back to hugging? Yes. Okay, good. We're, we're doing this. I love, I just, I love Willow and Oz so I so much. We head over to a Christmas tree lot where Buffy and Joyce are shopping for a tree. Joyce asks if Buffy wants one of the ones covered in fake snow. <laughs> she says she thinks those are just for display. I do like the guy in the background spraying yes. the tree with the fake snow. Joyce also suggests they invite Faith over to spend Christmas Eve with them. And yes, good Joyce. Good Joyce. Joyce remains the best. Yeah, someone needs to make sure that poor girl isn't all alone for the holidays. Maybe like it would be better if you made sure she came over for dinner once a week, but but we'll start small. Or maybe it would have been nice if you could have invited her to stay with you. Right? Like in the magical third room that will appear later when you need one for Dawn. Yeah. So like there's yeah. got to be another bedroom in there somewhere. And also when we thought that the foreign exchange student was going to be a boy. Yeah. So... We'll see. We'll see. Buffy's unsure of this idea. She and Faith haven't really been hanging out or talking. Yeah, and whose fault is that? Right? It's not Faith's fault. I know. I know we I we've we've covered that this is something that we need to do to alienate Faith to get her to where she's going, but it's still so frustrating. It's so frustrating. Especially how at the beginning everything was so they were so close. Yeah. Even so, does Buffy really want to let her spend Christmas Eve all alone in that dingy motel room? Buffy tells her mom she's still number one with the guilt. Joyce is so good. Buffy says she'll ask her, and Joyce tells her she's a doll. However, 
when Buffy brings up maybe asking Giles, <laughs> Joy shuts it down. Oh, God. She's sure he's fine. Yeah. Seems someone isn't quite ready to face him yet, following their little cop car trip. We, we, uh, the the kiddo was in his room watching TV, so I was watching it this morning in the living room, and Kevin was even cracking up when Joyce just was like, he's like, oh no, 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 no. He's like, oh, oh, somebody's still trying to hide from that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, we still got a couple more episodes till Buffy finds out. Buffy says they could at least ask him, but Joyce knows he doesn't want to spend his evening with a bunch of girls. Oh, no. Yeah, that's that's the reason. That's the reason, Joyce. They should split up. Buffy's confused for a moment but then begins wandering once more right until she discovers a whole patch of dead trees one of the guys running the lot says they just up and died on them if she wants one he can make her a hell of a deal no thank you yeah I would who wants a dead tree Joyce calls out that she found one and Buffy wanders back in that direction what comes next is a series of flashes, a bunch of images taken from deep inside a cave, or maybe even the Hellmouth itself. A stone altar surrounded by candles and covered in animal bones. Around it, three cloaked figures chant, their, arse, their eyes carved over with runic-type scars. The bringers. They are creepy as fuck. Either Angel's dreaming these images, or he's having another flashback because he again wakes suddenly. At the motel, Faith is banging on her television, trying to get it to work when Buffy knocks. Faith yells for whoever to come in, and she does. Faith, this is Sunnydale. Why is your door not locked? Oh, yeah. And why are you just telling somebody to come? Well, you know what? I I think we covered in one of the episodes that vampires don't knock. Well, vampires don't knock, especially during the day. Yeah. Though they did knock in the first episode with Kikistos. So, yeah, just Faith, you should just be more careful. Just be more careful. She greets Faith with a hey, and Faith turns off the television, standing. Let her guess. Scary monster? No, actually. They're having Christmas Eve dinner at her house, and she wanted to know if maybe Faith wanted to join them. Her mom sent her down there? No. Faith says she can't. She's got plans. Big party. I am very distracted by Faith's lip gloss. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. it's this gorgeous, like, almost coral color, and it's so shiny. I need, yeah. I need to find out what lip gloss they used. Yeah, it was a good, it was, and it was a good color. Like, I, one of the things that I love about Eliza is I love her, like, her coloring and with her dark hair and the lips, like, the makeup that they do for her. Plus, it also helps with the, you know, the differences between Buffy and her. Yeah, she oh, always yeah. had a good look. Buffy says, cool, but if Faith changes her mind, it's nice, really, but she's got that big party. So Buffy goes to leave, but stops near the door saying she likes the lights, as Faith has hung strings of Christmas lights around the room. That actually produces a small smile as Faith says, it's the season, whatever that means. <clears throat> at Giles's place, he's cooking himself some dinner when a knock comes at the door. Yelling just a minute, he leaves the kitchen and opens the door to reveal Angel. <laughs> oh, this scene is just so good. Giles instantly goes cold. Angel says he's sorry to bother him. And Giles, <gasps> Giles just laughs. Because that phrase, coming from Angel, is rather funny. Angel then says he needs Giles' help. The funny, it seems, just keeps on coming. He knows he has no right to ask for it, but there's no one else. Giles says, all right, and turns to walk off, presumably to put his kitchen items back in said kitchen. Angel reminds him that he can't come in unless invited. Giles knows. Because Giles returns carrying a crossbow. And look. Mm-hmm. Really hot doing so. Oh, this whole, like, he is at his best looking in this entire scene. Like, I 
I again, it, it's just a testament to how good of an actor Anthony is. Just the way that he he shifts when he opens the door to see Angel standing there. Oh yeah, and just how subtle his acting is with you know the laughing and the funny just keeps on coming, which is a hilarious comment from Giles because that is a line that one of the kids would use. Yeah. And yeah, it's just such a good, and even, even, I mean, you know, we give, we give Angel a lot of shit, but David's acting in this scene is good too. Uh, I mean, David's acting in the majority of this episode. Yeah. It's good. We will talk a bit about the end and the, the, the attempt at crying that I'm just like, Jesus Christ, please stop. Yeah. But but like for scenes like this, his acting yeah. is spectacular. Yeah, this is like and and again, I've we've we've said like when he is acting against anybody that's not Buffy. Oh yeah. It's when he really gets to shine. Mm-hmm. The crossbow trained on Angel, he tells him to come in. He does, and Giles follows his every movement with that crossbow. Angel explains about the dreams, his flashbacks, how he's been reliving them, everything vivid and in technicolor. He says he needs to know, needs to know why he's there. There, as in back on Earth. Angel says he deserves to be in a demon dimension, suffering unspeakable horrors. Giles isn't really inclined to disagree. But he's not there. He was freed and he doesn't know why. Giles says that knowing why he's back, it will give him peace of mind. It might. Does he think that's something he ought to have? As he asks this, Giles places the crossbow on a nearby chair and we see... Jenny! Jenny is standing behind him and caressing his shoulder. I know it's just the first pretending to be her. I know. Jenny! I know, I know. I remember being so excited and sad seeing her, like, not knowing what the whole point of this episode was going to be. Yeah. But it was good seeing Robia again. Yes, and this is sadly the last time we will ever see her. I know, I know. She lives on in our hearts. She does. Giles continues. The last time he became complacent about his existence, it turned out rather badly. Angel's just staring, his eyes fixed at the spot behind Giles. Giles looks where Angel's looking, but sees nothing. What? He, He doesn't see her? Who? Angel stares for another moment before saying he can't and running out the door. Angel, you idiot. If he could see her, he would have reacted. So I feel like I completely misremembered this scene because I could have sworn this whole scene takes place in the doorway and that Angel asks for help and Giles slams the door in his face. Huh. Like I can vividly no. see that. No, no, I knew that. And I basically knew- him being like, yeah, I don't care. And slamming it in his face. No, wow, that's. Like vividly remembered that being how that scene well, goes. You you came from another timeline, Mary. I did. I did. My timeline, this played out very differently. At the mansion, Angel dreams once more. Again of the past and a Christmas party. So I don't remember there being a title card on this one, but behind the scenes sources say that this is London a few years later. Okay. It feels like London. Yeah. Angelus has taken a maid under the stairs with him. She says she should return to the party. Poor the lady. mistress will be wondering. Angelus assures her that the mistress is wondering how to get the good Reverend Chalmers into bed and therefore will not notice whether or not the canapes are out. He tells her to stay with him. And she says that people will talk. She'll lose her job, be put out in the streets, her little boy. She can't lose this job. 
and Jealous tells her to go ahead then. Scream. See if her mistress believes her behavior to be beyond reproach. Go on, make a scene. Or shall he? She shakes her head and he says no, before approaching her. Oh, no, no. Before assuring her they'll be as quiet as mice. Ashamed, she looks down and he, he goes full vamp face. She pleads, reminding him of her son. He'll make a fine dessert. (sighs) He clamps down on her neck, draining her. Though as he lets the body fall, he sees Buffy standing there, staring. Which leads to a shot of both of them waking, each in their separate beds, as if they shared the dream. Okay, but yeah, no. Let's talk about that scene under the stair for a moment. Mm-hmm. 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 Mm. We have pretty much just gotten confirmation right there that a soulless Angelus also sexually assaulted women. Oh, yeah. Like, yes, he killed this particular maid, but the meaning behind the scene, the language used, mm-hmm. the go ahead and see if they believe you. Yeah. That was all pretty clear. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and especially when you consider the time period. Uh Uh-huh. And again, you can't make it more clear. You know, she's she's worried. Like, she is clearly worried about her position in the house, her own, you know, body, and what will happen to her and what will happen to her son. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, and vampire aside, this is what men did to women. Yes! Absolutely. Nobody is going to see, like, she knows that she didn't do anything wrong. But if she screams, it's going to be put on her. Yeah. 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 Because she tempted him or whatever bullshit. Yeah. So I just, I want to make sure we're all clear on that. Yeah. That Solus Angelus was a piece of shit. And because I'm feeling salty and chose violence. (laughs) Um, For those people who want to bring up a certain season six episode when talking about Buffy and Spike, Angelus probably did it multiple times to multiple women. Mm -hmm. Just just saying. Just saying. Just want to make sure we all have that knowledge. Oh, yeah. I mean, this, you can't make it any clearer that he was a piece of shit. Nope. But we're going to because the ghosts of Christmas past are going to bring up some things we've been talking about forever oh i know i know i i am so excited because i completely forgot that there was a line Mm -hmm. brought up that i've been saying the entire time getting dressed angel wanders out to the main room only to be confronted by the image of jenny trouble sleeping she's not there she's always there angel wants her to leave him alone but she says she can't he won't let her what does she want She wants to die in bed surrounded by fat grandchildren, but it looks like that's off the menu. Ugh, that line. That line. That is a great line. Like, that is a great Jenny line. That is a great Jenny line. I quote that line a lot. Oh, yeah. No reason at all. Oh, yeah, yeah. What do you want? Oh, I want to be, I want to die in bed surrounded by fat grandchildren. You're like. But it also says that Jenny wanted a life with Giles. Mm Mm-hmm. She wanted kids, grandkids, the whole thing. And it just. I know this is the first messing with Angel, but it breaks my heart all over mm -hmm. again that they will never get that. Yeah, and because it feels like Jenny. Yeah. Angel says he's sorry. Sorry? For her? Don't be. She's dead. She's over it. If he wants to feel sorry for someone, he should feel sorry for himself. Looks like he already has that covered. He repeats he's sorry. Really, for all he's done to her, what else can he say? Jenny, as she morphs into Daniel, says she doesn't want him to feel bad. He just wants to show him who he is. At school, in Giles' office, 
Buffy tells Giles of the dream. I love how Giles' office has the bare minimum of decoration. Oh, yeah, yeah. There is like a bow on the filing cabinet and some garland thrown over an inbox. Yeah, and I, I feel like I feel like maybe the kids did it. Like Buffy brought in the bow and Xander brought in the garland and we're like, here, you gotta look. Well, I mean, there is, there is a, we'll talk about, we'll talk about it in a second. There is a few more decorations in like the outer area. So I'm sure like some student's activity member yeah, went brought in it there in. and was yeah. like, hi, you have to decorate. And Giles did the absolute bare minimum yeah. in his office. Yeah, yeah. She tells him this wasn't a dream about Angel, but her in Angel's dream. As there was stuff she'd have no way of knowing about. Stuff about Angel's past. He was dreaming it and somehow she got sucked in. There's something wrong with him. After what seems like a very long silence, during which you can tell Giles is contemplating whether or not to say anything, <laughs> Giles says he knows. He's seen him. He wanted to know why he was back. Is there a way for them to find out? Do we think that Buffy, or that it's intentional, that Buffy is rocking a look very similar to Jenny here? Like the long skirt, the gauzy overshirt. It's something I noticed the moment the cameras yeah, pulled back. Yeah, I, I honestly, I don't think it was intentional. Yeah, it's just, I was like, oh, that's, that's a very similar outfit. It's a very, it's just a very look from the 90s. It is. It, it very much is. Giles says he may have something. He needs to look. Well, let her look too. He seems hesitant. And so Buffy assures him that she's not seeing him, that she's trying to put him behind her. She can't do that if they're continually guest starring in one another's dreams. So they'll help him. Giles agrees and Xander comes in asking where they start. Buffy looks at him and Xander says he knows he hasn't been the bestest friend when it comes to Angel. But who knows? Maybe he finally caught the Hanukkah spirit. (laughs) I Do you dislike Xander? Like that whole bit. That whole bit where, first of all, nobody called him to help. No. He literally just showed up and was like what can i do yeah and the fact that he was like i caught the hanukkah spirit yes absolutely because it he he listened to willow and he heard her yeah like and so the hanukkah spirit and plus like what him and buffy are going to be doing later on like this is like xander is a salty ass sassy bastard but when it comes down to it, he is Buffy's friend. Yes, and this goes back to what I was talking about was I don't really like that second scene in the library in Revelations. Yeah. Because he doesn't like that Angel's back. He's never gonna like it. But he does know that Angel isn't Angelus and this is important to Buffy, so he's in. Yeah, and but also I, I do also like to think about the fact that he's coming in is like, okay, what can we do to get rid of him faster? Yeah, pretty much. Like, yeah, like I'll help. This is important to you. And Angel goes away. Everybody yeah. wins. Like we're trying, we're we're trying to put Angel behind us. Great. What can I do to help? And it's, it's the fact that again, Xander is the first to volunteer. Yeah. Because, and I mean, I think this ties into what we see or what is alluded to in this episode. And I was getting very emotional over this when typing my notes and watching this last week. Because, like, Xander's home life sucks. Yeah. We we see that again and again. And we get implications of it from, like, the very first episode where Willow mentions that, like, his mom doesn't cook ever. Yeah. And 
And, you know, it goes all the way through to, like, when we see his family at the wedding. Yeah. And one thing, like, one thing that I always, that I always think of with Xander is I always think of, I can't remember the kid's name from The Breakfast Club. Oh, yeah. Judd Hirsch is, like, his, or Judd Nelson. Judd Nelson. Like, here's a kid with a shitty home life, and he took that and became a shitty person himself. Here is Xander, who has a shitty home life. And is trying to be the best person that he can be. Like, he overcompensates with humor. Yeah. Like, I knew kids like Xander growing up. And I mean, I think it's also very clear that to him, his friends are his... His friends are more his family than his blood mm-hmm. family. Like they yeah. are his anchor. His yes. home life isn't stable enough to be his anchor. Mm-hmm. And that's also why Cordy throwing that in his face about mm-hmm. his family, it just makes it worse. Because here he was trying to bring her in on part of his life that yeah. he doesn't share with everyone. No. Like I, I I get like I get why some people dislike Xander. I do. I yeah, I get it. But sometimes people just seem to forget a lot about Xander. I mean, and oh, yeah, like you. like he over like I said, he overcompensates on a lot of stuff, and it makes him awkward. Yes, but he is not. And the thing is, he fucks up. He does. He fucks up. He does. But He's the a way teenager. He, the way people treat him sometimes is that he is like the worst villain ever. Yeah. When he is just a fucking teenage boy trying to figure shit out. And we've said it before, he is the only one in their group who is just human and stays just human. Yeah. Yeah. He never, never has any sort of mysticalness surrounding him. And he is still willing to go out there every night and die. Yeah, like he he knows that he is just, like he doesn't have powers. He is a, I mean, and he jokes about himself being, you know, a weak, you know, skinny teenage boy. Like he jokes about that. Yeah. But he nothing, he never becomes anything else. And he never leaves their side. And he never, like, and I know sometimes he, you know, he feels inadequate because he doesn't have it, but he doesn't take it out on them. He doesn't use it as resentment. No, never. <sighs> wow. Anyway. I, I didn't expect to be this salty with you, but oh, yeah, I, yeah, I'm feeling- I'm telling you, there's, there's a lot of saltiness in this episode. Yeah, I'm just like, I'm not going to tell people that they should completely like Xander because fine, you know, it, it's okay, but- some of the criticisms that people have against him are completely unwarranted. And in this essay, I will thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> anyway, Giles says they start, as always, with research. He hands Sander the Black Chronicles and Buffy the Diary of Lucius Temple, an acolyte of a Catholic and an expert on demons. Giles tells her she can skip the parts about his garden, though, unless she's <laughs> planning on ever planting beets. <laughs> As they leave the office, Buffy asks Xander if this is really how he wants to spend his vacation. It is actually. In fact, this is the most exciting thing he has planned. Who else can claim such a boring life? Cue Willow, (laughs) who has entered the library. So what are they up to? I do like, like we said, like the outer library has a bit more decoration. Mm -hmm. There's garlands strung across the checkout desk, a small tree on the table. I do still think some poor student had to convince Giles to put it all up. (laughs) Yeah. 
but it looks nice. Very festive. There's a small time jump and we see the gang sitting at the table all deep in their research. Time progresses, Giles pulling out a whiteboard to write common ideas on, Xander making a pizza run. They've clearly been at this for hours. <laughs> Eventually, during a moment that's just the two of them, Buffy tells Willow about Oz. He's coming over Christmas Eve because her parents will be out of town. They're going to watch videos. So I did look up the dates of Hanukkah in 1998, and it ran from December 13th to December 21st. Okay. So like, Willow's parents did not abandon her over oh, there. Over Hanukkah. Yeah. Yeah. So that's good. So they might like they're either going to see like some relatives afterwards or Mm -hmm. traveling for work or whatever. But they are, you know, taking a vacation because Christmas isn't a thing to them. And so they can have a few days while everybody else deals with Christmas. Yeah. This is one of those years where Hanukkah fell a lot earlier than. Yeah. But yeah, they did not. They did not abandon Willow during Hanukkah. No. Buffy says that's good, right? They're back. It's good in an awkward and uncomfortable sort of way. She just, she doesn't know how to make Oz trust her. Buffy tells Willow that Xander has a piece of her that Oz just can't touch, which means now it's just about showing Oz that he comes first. She guesses. Thanks. Willow, who did not get Giles's warning, must have come across one of the gardening passages <laughs> as she declares Lucius likes beets. <laughs> Buffy says she already read that one as she slams her book shut and yes, yes, Excellent transition. The slamming of the book mixes with Angel falling to the ground. Another of his victims, this time a businessman, monologuing in the background. He says the thing he remembers most is thinking how artful it was. In the dark. It looked just like they were sleeping. It wasn't until he bent down and kissed them goodnight that he realized how cold they were. Angelus grabbed the man and the man thought, who would go through so much trouble to arrange them like that? But you see... The man morphs into Margaret, the maid from the party. That's what makes him different than other beasts. They kill to feed. He takes more pleasure in killing than any creature who walks or crawls. Oh, God. She echoes his words to her, telling him, yeah, cry out, make a scene. As Angel turns to escape, he finds himself facing Daniel. Seems he was to be married the week Angelus killed him. But then Angelus knew that. Angel says that wasn't him, and Jenny begs to differ. Wasn't him? A demon isn't a man, but he was a man once. Oh, yes. And what a man he was. <laughs> Fucking Liam. We're treated to a very brief flashback of Liam at a tavern, guzzling ale as he tries to pull one of the girls who work there down off the table. But he's drunk, so he just falls over. Margaret calls out to him, calling him a drunken, whoring layabout. A terrible disappointment to his parents. Angel said he was young. He never had a chance. Sir, you were like 26 when you died. Yeah. That was not young in the 1700s. No, you were old in the 1700s. Also, I love when Canon just reconfirms that Liam was a dick. Uh, Oh, yeah. It makes me happy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Margaret continues saying what we said (laughs) multiple times. (laughs) That what? He lost his chance to die of syphilis. I love that. Be- I and again, like I, I always forget because this isn't one of the episodes that I watch a lot. So I love the fact that somebody else said it. Because yes, he would have died of syphilis. He was a worthless being before he was ever a monster. Covering his ears, Angel yells for her to stop. Jenny's back then, gently prying his hands away from his face and reiterating that she doesn't want to hurt him, but he needs to understand. Cruelty is the only thing he's really had a talent for. That's not true. 
Shh, rest. She guides him to a table, has him lay down on it. She tells him he mistakes it for a curse, but it's not. It's his destiny. Sitting beside him, she runs his fingers through his hair. She'll show him. Before we move on, let's talk a little bit about the ghosts. That I like I like the way that this scene transitions between them. Oh, I love, I love that. And I love, and I love that we see, like the whole transitioning thing we see with the first. I mm-hmm. love one of my favorite, like tiny moments is the first speech in seven where it runs through all the villains. Yes. Like I just, anytime the first does little transitioning magic, I love it. Mm-hmm. But um, okay, so I love the inclusion of the businessman. And it's yes. a very, very interesting choice. Mm-hmm. Because like Jenny, that is someone he killed during his recent time as Angelus. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, you knew that he killed quite a few people. But to see that he took the time to do this shit to somebody else. And so, but the really, really interesting thing about this is like, we do know he killed people. And he was trying to amass a sort of, like he told Gage, an army Mm -hmm. against Buffy. This is someone that, as far as we know, has no connection. Exactly. To Mm -hmm. Buffy. This isn't killing one of her classmates Mm -hmm. or stalking her friends. This is just someone he went out and killed and tortured for pleasure. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, killed his family, set the, the children up in bed. Like, yeah, this is just some random dude. Yeah. And two, uh, we've yet to mention who plays the ghosts, or at least Daniel and Margaret, as mm-hmm. they're the two we see aside, the most aside from Jenny. Yes. Uh, Daniel is played by Shane Barak, who's pretty much known for doing this. Yeah. He's had a few other parts, but they're mostly short films. His IMDb list is very, very short. And Margaret is played by Cornelia Hayes O'Hareathy. She really is Irish. Yes. Uh, born and raised. And following Buffy, she's mostly done video game work voicing various characters. Yeah, I was glad to see that they got a legitimate Irish actress to play this small the Irish maid. Yes, because we we've discussed it before, but oh, David's <laughs> David's Irish accent is is atrocious. No bueno. Also, I like that there are three main ghosts, mm-hmm. much like Dickens. Oh, hmm, very Dickensian. Back at the high school, the gang is either fading or has faded. Xander yawns. Willow is asleep on the chair in Giles' office. Giles is still grabbing book after book. And Buffy, she is passed out in the stacks. (laughs) She turns. And Angel, back at the mansion, does the same. We're then transported to the dreamscape in Buffy's bedroom. She lays in bed, Angel sitting beside her. He reaches for her hand, their fingers interlace, and almost immediately they begin kissing. Things get a little spicy. Yes. As we go from kissing to Buffy straddling him to him undressing her and then full on sex. Yeah. But then we see one of the bringers watching them from the corner of Buffy's room. This seems to trigger something and Angel goes all grr face, clamping down on Buffy's neck. They both wake. Jenny once again right beside Angel. He wants her. No. Take her. Take what you want. Pour all that frustration and all that guilt into her. No. He can't live for eternity with all that pain. This is what he is. This is why they brought him back. Take her, and then he'll be ready to kill her. 
So, uh, interesting. Seems like the first is going for a two-for-one kind of thing here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Kill the Slayer and set Angelus loose on the world once more. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, they. I mean, hey, if it, it's very economical. If you can take care of two things at once, you might as well go for it. Shoes in hand, Buffy comes down from the stacks as Giles locates a bit of information he thinks will be useful. Seems he found something on the first. The first what? Evil. Older than man or demons. It would definitely have the power to bring Angel back. Seeing a picture of the bringers, Buffy asks about them. She saw them in her dream. Her dream? Was Angel in it? She nods. What happened? Not wanting to tell Giles that she just had a sex dream about her ex. (laughs) She tells him not to get distracted. Who are those guys? They're known as the bringers. Or harbingers. High priests of the first. They can conjure spirit manifestations and set them on people. Which means those are the guys working the mojo on Angel. If that's the case, Angel says they need to stop them. Giles says Buffy can't fight the first. It's not a physical being. But she can fight the bringers. If they can find them. Which is Xander's way of volunteering to help do just that. The mean streets of Sunnydale. All decked out in holiday cheer. Theme decorations hanging from lampposts and traffic lights. We linger on the street just a moment before going to Willie's. I've missed <laughs> Willie. I know. I and I I love the vampires that get up and walk away. Yes. Because as Buffy and Xander come in, Willow announces quite loudly that she's the slayer. <laughs> What's the slayer doing here? And yeah, like like Farley just said, this causes several vampires to be like, all right, I'm out. I like that they don't even they're like, you know what? We're not fighting. We would like to live today. We have nothing. They're just living their best, their best vampire lives. I know. Lives. Like, yeah, they're they're just, you know, they're they're, you know, gonna go talk to Joe and Buffy asks how Willie's been, and he says he's been staying out of trouble. Swears it. He asks the two of them if they'd like a drink, and Xander says, Yeah. He'll take a double shot of information, pal. <laughs> he gives up on trying to sneak liquor when Buffy gives him a look. <laughs> <laughs> she then tells Willie they're there looking for guys, the bringers. Xander's really into this interrogation oh, thing he's... and like jumps the gun, which Buffy doesn't really appreciate. Don't interrupt her. Yeah. <laughs> Buffy says they've got a whole eyeless sort of thing going on. Willie says it doesn't ring a bell and Xander offers to ring that bell for him. The threatening does come now, right? <laughs> Buffy says maybe he shouldn't help. I love his, I love his bad cop routine. Oh yeah. I, this whole scene is fantastic. I'm just imagining he had way too much coffee. He is way too excited about this. Oh, he is so excited. Well, and the thing is, cause he doesn't get to threaten people much. People no, that not. he could, people that he can threaten. It's like way back in iRobot You Jane where he got very excited. He punched a guy. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like there's not many people that he can threaten. The bringers would have come to town recently. Hold themselves up somewhere where they could summon the first. Leaning in closer, Willie says, he's heard some things from the underground. The underground? Yeah, the things that live under the ground. <laughs> Apparently, a lot of the lower inhabitants have been migrating out of Sunnydale. Something's been scaring them off. And these are things that are not easily scared. Could be her priest guys are underground. Underground where? He doesn't know. Buffy thanks him and she and Xander turn to leave. Willie tells Xander he did great. He was very intimidated by him. Really? Thanks. (laughs) With a roll of her eyes, Buffy begins to usher Xander out, but Willie calls after her, wishing her a Merry Christmas. Willie, you softie. I love Willie. I 
do too. The two step out in the daylight and Xander remarks on how hot it is, especially since it was so nice and cool in Willie's. <laughs> yeah, a nice, cool waste of time. <laughs> Xander says they know the bringers are underground. That's something, right? Oh, sure. Underground in a town with 1,400 square feet of sewers, not to mention several cave formations and a doorway to hell. <laughs> okay, yeah, this does kind of resemble square one. Buffy says she doesn't know what to do, and Xander tells her that right now, the best course of action is to deck the halls with boughs of holly. Enjoy the holiday. They'll catch the bad guys. No, seriously, like, what the fuck is wrong with people who don't like Xander? I know, I know. Like, he's trying to bring her back up. Like, hey, you know, this sucks. We'll get this done. Yeah, but we're fine for right now. Let's eat some roast beast, and we'll be fine. We go to that night in Willow's house. Oz lets himself in, carrying videos he clearly got from a video rental Oh, yeah. Place. Oh, yeah. And I, again, like, I like imagining him standing there trying to figure out which would be the best to bring over. Yes, because you want something nice, maybe a little cuddle-worthy, but not too romantic. Yes, we should, you know what, we should, we should uh, do some searching to see what was out at this point. Oh, uh, yeah. What were like the new releases? Around? And maybe and, and put make, make a social media post about what we think that he could yes. be bringing over. Yes. All right. He finds the lights out, a fire roaring, and Willow on the couch in a red dress. She motions for him to come sit down, and he does, right as some very white starts playing. <laughs> it's hilarious and awkward, and Oz is definitely picking up on the vibe because he says, Do you ever have that dream? Where you're in a play and it's the middle of the play and you don't really know your lines or the plot. <laughs> Willow tells them they're alone and together. And she just wanted it to be special. Oz wants to know how special they're talking. You know, they're alone and together. And they're both mature younger people. And so they could Willow says she's ready to with him. They both could do that thing. I love that she (laughs) whispers that part. I know. Nobody else is here and she's still whispering. Mia's family does that. And I think it's because they're so used to there being a million of them that there can just be two of them in our house. Like (laughs) Mia and like one of her aunts and me. And they will still lower their voices afraid (laughs) they're going to be overheard. And I'm just like, there's nobody else here. Yeah. But I guess when you grow up around so many people, it's just ingrained into you to be like, okay. All right. And and also so many Italians. Yes. Oz looks at her for a moment before standing. Where is he going? Not going. He's not going. He's just trying to gesture. It's, that's pretty special. Willow stands with him and says she wants to be with him first. Maybe they should sit down again. (laughs) Willow tells Oz she's ready. But Oz, he tells her not to take this the wrong way, but he's not. Is he scared? Because she thought he had, he has, but this is different. But she looks great <laughs> and she's got Barry working for her and it, it's all good. But when it happens, he wants it to be because they both need it to for the same reasons. She doesn't have anything to prove to him. She just wanted him to know. He knows. He gets the message. <laughs> Willow leans in and, and there is kissing and yay! They, they are just so cute. And Oz, Oz is just so cute. What kills me even more than the berry is the sodas. She had chilling in the little yeah. champagne bucket. Yeah, yeah. 
Like Willow thought of everything. This was like a teenager's vision of what a romantic evening should be. Oh, one thousand percent. Trying to be a grown up. I just love, and, and again, this scene just shows how good a person Oz is. Yep. We move to Buffy's where Joyce is placing another log on the fire. Why? Oh, God. Why does she have a fireplace going? And and Willow had one going too. Yeah. They've mentioned several times how hot it is. Yeah. Yeah. But I like this, this scene at the Summer's house is pretty funny with the whole thing. Yeah. Because Buffy agrees. Because from her place trimming the trees, she comments that there's nothing like a roaring fire to keep the blistering heat away. Joy says it's lovely and remarks that maybe she should turn the air conditioning <laughs> on. Wait, what? So you built a fire and you had not yet turned. How hot must it be in that house? I'm dying just I know, I know. Like it's, it's kind of warm and sticky in my office right now as we're recording. And just thinking about a fireplace is making me feel gross. And also, why do you have a fireplace? I just, I, like, we keep our house very cold. Yes. It's yeah. like, like up here it's set to 69, but it's early enough in the day that it's like 65 degrees up here right now. And at night, we make sure both floors are set to like 65 because we like to be able to have blankets. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, like the way our house is set up, it's kind of hard to get it to be where it's supposed to be. But still, like... I cannot imagine having a fireplace when it's that hot. No. Like, I know, I know Joyce, bless her heart, is trying to go for ambiance because it's Christmas. But again, it's Christmas in California. Exactly. Buffy kind of zones out then, and so is a bit startled when her mom asks about Angel being on top. Huh? (laughs) For the tree, Angel or Star? Oh, Star. I love definitely star. <laughs> I love I just I love poor Buffy. <laughs> the doorbell rings just then, and confused, Buffy goes to answer. It's Faith. Turns out the party fell through. Or well, there was no party. Buffy's glad she came. Faith offers her two small wrapped gifts, and Buffy says to come in, away from the complete lack of cold. Which okay. Brings up another thing, like the fire. Because I I think I forget to mention this later, but I really wanted to mention it, so I'm going to mention it now. Why is everyone wearing coats? Because Faith has a jacket when she comes in, which whatever. But like later, and I know it's because it looks good once the snow starts. Yeah. But Buffy goes out in a full-on coat. And if it's like unseasonable, like even for California. Even for California. like Unseasonably warm and they're talking about blistering heat. Why the ever-loving fuck is she wearing a coat? Yeah, they they make a point on the television to talk about how warm it's going to be. And I know that they're doing that to be the like, oh, miraculous Christmas snow later on. But still, it's hot. Dress like it's hot. I know. Yeah. Uh, this is where like Jackie will be like, but I'm always cold and wearing a coat. And I'm like, I know you are. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Like literally every meme that's like your friend who's always cold, we all send those to Jackie. (laughs) As they head towards the living room, Faith says the bottom gift is for Joyce. It's kind of crappy. Joyce emerges from behind the tree, all smiles at the fact Faith made it. Buffy hands her mom the gifts, which Faith once again warns are are crappy, before saying she'll go get Faith's gifts from upstairs. As she heads up, Joyce asks Faith if she'd like some nog. Heading into her room, Buffy tells her mom not to touch her gift because she'll know what it is. 
She enters and Angel slams the door shut. Apparently, he's been lurking behind it. (laughs) Buffy looks at him, asking what he's doing there. He just stares for a moment before saying he had to see her. His gaze travels from her to the bed and then her neck. Buffy tells him to just tell her what's going on. Behind Buffy, Jenny tells Angel that Buffy wants him to touch her. Angel says she needs to stay away from him. And Buffy's confused. He came to see her just to say he can't see her. Again, his gaze goes to her neck, to the bed. She says something's doing this to him. He advances on her and she steps back. He's confused. Confused? She's confused. He thinks she needs to. Again, Jenny says Buffy wants Angel to taste her. Buffy's looking at him and asking what can she do as he finally starts to crumble. He says to leave him alone and then he dives out the window. Okay. So. Yeah. Are we as a fandom ever going to talk about this scene? Well, I know we are. Yeah, because apparently the entire fandom seems to forget that this scene exists. Mm -hmm. And what Angel's intentions in this scene are. And how it is very clear what he came there to do. Uh Uh-huh. He was looking at that bed. Oh, but Mary, an external force was controlling him. I'm sorry. Do you mean like a hyena spirit? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I just. I, I love that the entire fandom has apparently forgotten about this scene. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the fact that he tells her she's confused. He tells her, basically tells her she doesn't know what she wants. Exactly. And he has an internal monologue in his head. And yes, it is an external force. Just like the hyena spirit was an external force. Mm-hmm. Telling him that she wants this. She wants to be touched. There is, there's just no misinterpreting this scene. No, it's, it's just, once again, there being a hypocritical standard for, because Angel. we, because we don't like this character, we're going to forget that everything character B is also shitty. Yes. So since this is a Christmas episode, we are giving all the Xander fans and all the Spike and Buffy fans a present. Anytime anybody argues with you, just point to this episode. Merry Christmas. Just point to this episode. Merry Buffy Christmas in... Is this going to come out in June? Are we? Yeah, yeah, I think it is. Probably June. Yeah. Oh yeah, because it's we're recording. We're recording it. We're recording it on the 29th of May. So yeah, Memorial Day weekend. Yes. So yes, this will come out in June. So Merry Buffy Christmas in June. Woohoo! <laughs> anyway, now that I've I've had my violent moment for the day, you got that out of your system, Mary. Feel better. I did. For now. For now. There's another moment coming up that we'll talk about. I see a little bit. I see a little bit of the weight lifted off your shoulders. Ah, yeah, I feel good. (laughs) I'm probably going to get like nasty (laughs) cramps from half the fandom. But I feel good. But I don't know. If you're still listening to us, you know my opinions. Oh, yeah. I don't think this is anything new. we're, We're halfway through season three. Like, I'm just pointing to more contextual evidence to back up the shit I've been saying for three seasons. So. Yeah, whenever whenever I share a link to our podcast, I'm always like, full disclosure, we're pro-Xander. And we're pretty harsh on Angel till he leaves Sunnydale. Yeah, yeah, we'll be, we'll be better. We'll be better on Angel once we get to his series. I was gonna say, we're gonna confuse so many people that when we get to Angel, we're like, oh, Angel! It was like, yeah. Okay, well, now he's not in this crappy storyline. Yeah, but then, it, like we said, like he becomes a much more interesting character when he's on his own show. Yep. Anyway, 
Back downstairs, Buffy tells Faith she just needs her to stay with her mom for a bit, just in case he comes back. She'll play watchdog, yeah, but what's going on? Buffy promises to explain everything as soon as she gets back. She leaves and Faith tells her to watch her back. At Giles's, Buffy says they need to do something soon. Now. He needs to find these priest guys or something she can pummel. Giles says it's not that easy and Buffy says he's slipping. They're losing him. She knows that if he truly becomes a danger, she may have to kill him again. Can she do that? Another fabulous transition as Angel storms through the mansion saying he won't do it. Jenny says he has to do it. It's the only thing he's good for. He just needs to feel her, take in the scent of her skin. He says no. And Jenny says he never was a fighter. Why start now? Sooner or later, he will drink her. The first is actually not wrong. Mm-hmm. As we will see in graduation day. Yes, that is to save him. But he does still drink from her. Angel says he won't hurt her. He was born to hurt her. Has he learned nothing? As long as he's alive, then he'll die. He doesn't have the strength to kill himself. He says he doesn't need strength. He just needs the sun to rise. As he heads out of the garden, Jenny says, this wasn't the plan. (laughs) He wasn't supposed to die. But it'll do. The hunt is still on at Giles. Buffy reading off passages that make no sense and saying they all read like cheesy tabloids. Giles has a moment where he thinks he might have found something, but he's also afraid it might just be more posturing. Talking about how the bringers are the harbingers of death and nothing shall grow above or below them. That actually strikes a chord with Buffy, who remembers the Christmas tree lot and the pack of trees that just died. It distracts her so much that she misses Giles's awesome reference. (laughs) For he says the harbingers are bad and they'll never ever be any good. Yeah. (laughs) The phrase being taken from the lyrics of the 1962 Crystal song, He's a Rebel, which I had stuck in my head all evening after watching this. Thanks, Giles. Thank you, Giles. But I also like another classic music reference from Giles. Buffy heads to the lot and breaks in, going straight to the small patch of of dead trees. Grabbing an axe, she hits the ground until a hole appears. Leaping through, she finds herself in a dark cave. There are candles in various places and chanting can be heard in the distance. Coming across the bringers, she tells them, 10 more minutes of chanting, but then they really need to go to bed. (laughs) She uses the axe to knock out two of the bringers, but the third escapes while she destroys their altar. That's when the first appears, still in the form of Jenny. Buffy tells her she won't get Angel. Buffy thinks she can kill her. She's not some demon. She's an evil beyond what she could possibly comprehend. The first evil, beyond sin, beyond death. She is the thing the darkness fears. She'll never see her, but she'll always be there. Every bean, every thought, every drop of... Buffy gets it. (laughs) She's evil. Do they have to chat about it all day? That's when the evil tells her, Angel will be dead by sunrise. Her Christmas will be his wake. Buffy says no, but the first tells her she has no idea what she's dealing with. Let her guess. Is it evil? (laughs) The first has had just about enough at this point and takes a more wraithy form, repeating the whole dead by sunrise bit. Buffy rushes. Yeah, basically. (laughs) Buffy rushes out of the cave and heads directly for the mansion calling for Angel. He's nowhere to be found, though, and so she searches the surrounding area, eventually finding him atop a hill overlooking Sunnydale. As she approaches, he says he bets half the kids down there are already awake, laying in their beds, sneaking downstairs, waiting for a day. Buffy tells him she needs him to get inside, that there's only a few minutes left. 
He knows. He can smell the sunrise before it comes. She doesn't have time to explain. He just needs to trust her. The thing that was haunting him, Angel says it wasn't haunting him. It was showing him. Showing him what he is, was, ever shall be. You want to know why he was brought back? Well, now he does. He doesn't know. Some great evil <laughs> for bringing him back and he just buys it. He says he can't do it again. He can't become a killer. Then fight. It's too hard. Buffy again begs him to get inside. It told him to kill her. She was in the dream. She saw. It wanted him to lose his soul again and kill her. She knows. She was in the dream. <laughs> yes. What does it matter? Because he wanted to. Because he wants her so badly. I, I cannot tell if this dialogue is brilliant or horrible. I think it's a little bit of both. He wants to take comfort in her, but he knows it will cost him his soul. And a part of him, it doesn't care. He's weak. He's never been anything else. It's not the demon in him that needs killing. It's the man. No, no, this dialogue uh, is just horrible. You know what? <laughs> this this reminds me a little bit of that graveyard scene. Yes! That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. Exactly what I was thinking. And that's why I like had to go look up who wrote this episode. Yeah. And was very surprised to find out that it was one of the creators. Yeah. It, it, it yeah, that it, it reminds me a lot of that scene. He's weak. Everybody is. Everybody fails. Maybe this evil did bring him back, but if it did, it's because it needs him. And that means that he can hurt it. He has the power to do real good. To make amends. Uh, I hate when they do that. But if he dies now, then all he ever was was a monster. Well, that says a lot about all he did to help the world thus far. See, even Buffy knows he sat on his ass and hasn't done anything. Mm-hmm. Because if he dies now, he's still a monster, but he can do good. So that means he hasn't really done good up to now. Mm-hmm. She tells him again the sun is coming up and he tells her to go. She won't. Does she think that this is simple? That there is an easy answer? What happens next? Y'all. Uh, I, yeah. I know I have pretty much chosen violence <laughs> with my opinions on this entire episode. <laughs> but this. Th- this. This is just ridiculous. Where she goes to plead with him and he throws her off. Then she hits him and he throws her to the ground and straddles her, holding her down, pinning her arms while he gets in her face and asks if she really thinks he deserves to be saved, if he's a righteous man. Again, parallels are right Right. there. (sighs) It's really not hard to see how Liam and Angelus treated women. And you don't have to be a righteous man. You just have to not be a dick. Yeah. And the fact that this physical positioning between them is coming right after he basically said that, like, he doesn't care if he loses his soul as long as he gets to be with her. Yeah. Again, like, the whole thing just feels icky. It is very. It, it, it is very icky. Angel says the world wants him gone. And Buffy says, what about her? She loves him so much. And she tried to make him go away. She killed him and it didn't help. Uh, yeah, no, I actually have here in my notes, you know, this is heading into when you kiss me, I want to die territory. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this 100% is like that graveyard scene. Yeah. Buffy says she hates it. She hates it so hard and that he and that he can hurt her so much. Honey bunny, this is not a healthy relationship is- at all. <sighs> 
Buffy yeah. says she knows everything he did because he did it to her. No, I'd argue he did not do everything. I'd really argue that. I think yeah. there's so much more Evangelist that you did not see. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and again, like we saw other stuff. Yeah. That she didn't know about. She wishes that she wished him dead, but she doesn't. At this point, I, I was literally looking at the clock, like, when will this dialogue end? Like, this oh, yeah. scene just goes on for too long. Yeah, there's there's way too much of this. She says she can't, and Angel does, like, the worst fake cry ever, asking Buffy to just this once let him be strong. Strong is fighting. It's hard, and it's painful, and it's every day. It's what we have to do. They can do it together, but if he's too much of a coward, then fine burn if she can't convince him he belongs in this world then she doesn't know what can oh i know i know it's magical <laughs> christmas snow yeah i just i can't i can't like normally normally i am a hundred percent down for cheesy moments like this. oh yeah yeah it's a very it's a very hallmark type thing yeah and especially when it comes to christmas movies yeah but at this point i was just so done with this episode that I yeah. was like, of course it's the fucking magical Christmas show. <laughs> I just, I was so done. And like, like we said earlier, like, I feel like this episode went for something and don't, and don't get me wrong. It has good moments and mm-hmm. it's great at showcasing certain elements, but yeah, overall it, it just fell flat. It missed it's, the mark. Yeah. It, it's not, I mean, again, everything else that we dislike about, about him being a shitty person aside, he has so many brilliant episodes that he's written and directed. Yeah, and just something about this one missed the mark. This one, and and I see what he was trying to do. I see what they were going for, especially with it being very Dickensian. I see. I think we should have gone much more for just a straight Dickensian parallel. Yeah, yeah. Like it, past, it was present, future. Yeah, it wasn't quite. It wasn't quite there. Like it just. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? It was a it was somebody who read the cliff notes of a Christmas carol yes. trying to make yes. their own their own episode. Anyway, as the magical Christmas snow begins to fall, Buffy says for Angel not to expect her to watch and not to expect her to mourn for him because she has now noticed the snow and stopped Angel too. Together they stand and watch the snow come down. Okay. The next part I actually do like Mm -hmm. as we get the typical Christmas movie music and montage of all the others noticing the snow. Yes. Willow and Oz who are snuggled in bed, Faith and Joyce who step out on the porch of the summer's home. And for Faith, you know, this has got to be extra special because she's from the East Coast. Yeah. She's from Boston. So this feels a little bit more like home to her. And I love the fact that she is still with Joyce. Yeah. Like she stayed and she's probably going to stay the night. Yep. Giles, who stands at the window, tea in hand, and Xander, asleep in his backyard with a plate of cookies beside him. Oh, stop. I love, because I love, and I, I love how he pulls the sleeping bag over his head. Yes. And then quickly pulls it back down when he realizes that it's snowing. Yes. Uh, and then, of course, the main street covered in snow, as the weatherman tells us that Sunnydale and just Sunnydale yeah. <laughs> has been sit, hit has been hit with an extreme cold front. And so we shouldn't expect to see the sun at all. One of the I mean, things one of the things that I said is for the, the amount of snow that's falling, there is an unbelievable amount of snow already on those streets. 
Yeah. No, I, that a lot of people have said that. They're yeah. Like, that was a very large accumulation. Because Xander should be completely buried by snow if that much snow fell. But this is magical Christmas It is snow, magical so. Christmas snow. So Xander is safe from the magical Christmas snow. I mean, even the shot of Buffy and Angel walking hand in hand down the snow-covered road is cute. Yeah. And if I hadn't just watched that whole scene that came before, I probably would be very like, oh. Yeah. But I had to watch this entire episode, so. Yeah, because that, that is very cute, the two of them. Yeah, and it's a very picturesque scene, and I know yeah. it's used for a lot of things. I do, I do love it so And much. it's a very, it, it's a very Hallmark Christmas movie. Yes. Shot. They smile at each other, and we go to black. The end. Finally. Uh, yes. <laughs> so just a few small things. Um, I mean, I've made my thoughts pretty clear. About this episode, so I don't I don't have a lot. Did you marry? But, did you really? <laughs> yeah. But when this episode aired, the little monster wore a Santa hat. Yeah. And jingle bells could be heard under the grr. Arg. Yeah, I, I like I like how they did. I like when they do little things with the monster. Yes. And uh, as far as Magical Christmas Snow, that is really left up to interpretation. Uh, It is a question the creator has been asked, you know, if the first is meant to represent extreme evil and basically the devil, you know, was the snow, was this like a sign from God or the powers that be that Angel should be in the world? And he's like, he basically was like, it's a choose your own adventure. He's an atheist. Yeah. So he's not going to come out and say it. And I mean, that's why it's always the powers that be. So like, it, yes, definitely can be interpreted. This is magical yeah. Christmas snow. And that was always my interpretation. Yeah. Because we know that the powers that be need Angel for the stuff that's going to happen in Angel. Yeah. Where we actually meet the powers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I've always took it as that being like, we're not done with you. Yeah. Yeah. We like all these other assholes, you know, they're fucking with you, but. We need you, so fuck off. But yes, that was the one and only Buffy Christmas episode. Several Halloween ones, one Thanksgiving one, tons of birthday ones, but again, just one one Christmas one. Oh, and there actually is a promo ad that the black and white that says a very Buffy Christmas. He's a (laughs) vampire who has killed for 200 years. This Christmas Eve, his victims confront him. Oh, I like that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably what we'll throw up on Twitter the day of, so. Yeah, yeah, so it, that's that's very delightful. That is it for this week. Thank you all for listening, and make sure you join us next time for our next book club installment. Where we will be so angry at Stuart. Oh, we're going to be so angry at Stuart, because oh. we will be talking about Julie Kenner's Day of the Demon, the seventh installment in her Demon Hunting Soccer Mom series. Until then, you can check out our various social media channels, all of which will be listed in the show notes. And if you like the show and you want to let us know it, you can subscribe, rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts, or write to us directly at thewatchersdiaries at gmail.com. Bye!